the economics of the food chain are broken, and farmers pay the price. They buy high, sell low, and the empty produce shelves we saw at the turn of the year show that the situation is unsustainable. In February 2023, Future Farm launched its newest innovation, Collective Deals, a reverse auction for the ag tech industry. In the latest podcast episode, CEO Florian Ritzman dissects the game-changing early findings and what the data says about farmers' online buying behaviours in the digital age. I'm Head of Communications Gordon Gillen, and this is the Future Farm Podcast. Florian, your background is in price comparison. You've worked with businesses like Compare the Markets, Curries, and Simplify Digital. How does agriculture compare to these previous experiences? Well, it's actually surprisingly similar, uh, but also completely different. Uh, so I hope that helps. <laughs> but let me uh, elaborate a little bit. Uh, so when we first started building marketplaces, consumer-facing marketplaces that offered price comparison in products like energy or credit cards, loans, insurance, uh, you know, we, we're going back to, to, to the early 2000s. Um, and every product that we looked at at the time um, had one thing in common in that there were a whole host of entrenched and, and very defensive incumbents. So energy is probably the best example. You know, in the early 2000s, there were six suppliers called the Big Six, uh, and um, they took their customers for granted. Um, and price comparison and the online tools offered by, you know, supermarket use which compare the market all those businesses that i used to be involved with or competing against you know offered the kind of price transparency that um that was lacking and, and fundamentally changed the entire industry and the way these suppliers interact with their their customers uh for good um it's not the same place that it was uh, for each of these uh, and there's many products now where consumers you know wouldn't even think about buying a product without comparing first but it took uh, decades, really, to, to, to break down that entrenched and defensive, the defensiveness uh, of, of the incumbents. And it's the same in agriculture. You've got perhaps even more so uh, a range of entrenched and defensive incumbents who take their farmers, I ha- hate to say it, but it's true, for, for granted, and who don't exactly excel in um, offering you know, price transparency to their customers. I talked about the suppliers. Let's, let's talk about the customers. You're talking about customers who lack transparency and pricing power. It was true then for consumers. It is true now for farmers. It's hard to know whether you're getting a good deal if there's no efficient way of, of comparing. So those are the things that you know I picked up that, that are the same. Where it's different, and we'll probably touch on that again later in the conversation, is that the products themselves are of course different. Uh, it's, you know, a credit card is not the same as a ton of, of, of fertilizer. It is sold differently. So the transactions themselves are quite complex versus a, an energy switch or, or, or insurance buy for your car. That, that is pretty straightforward uh, spot buy uh, on, on the go. I uh, hope that helps that answer. So slightly long-winded. It does, it certainly does. So why is this happening then? What are the factors? It seems to be from your answer that maybe you think that farming is a, is a particularly tricky sector to deal with in terms of pricing power. What is it about farming in particular that makes it so? 
the UK for us is a great market to, to learn about, uh, you know, doing what we do, which is introducing uh, marketplaces to, to the whole buying process. You actually have quite a high number of farmers. Uh, there's about 100,000 farmers in the UK. There's 200,000 holdings. And what they all have in common, these holdings, is that they're quite small uh, compared to other more agrarian nations. So the, the average holding is uh, less than 100 hectares. And, and this is important because that feeds into pricing power. Um, a big farm will obviously get better conditions uh, for the products that they're buying than, than a small farm. And so pricing power is highly relevant because an atomized or distributed base of customers um, uh, will on average get a, um, a worse price for the products that they're looking for than obviously a highly concentrated number of uh, farmers uh, with large holdings who, who can negotiate directly with, with the suppliers, as is the case in countries like Australia, South Africa, uh, or, or, the, or the United States, where you know your average holding is much, much larger. So that's, I think, you know, why the UK is interesting to us, um, but also uh, because the problem is so much bigger and our technology is so much more impactful as as our uh, research shows. Uh, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it does, uh, and we'll come on to some research in a minute. In the climate and the context that you've described, the role of a marketplace, how can that help? How can that change things? Well, it's quite straightforward, really, that part. I think it's hard to know whether you're getting a good deal for your glyphosate, for your urea, for your seed, unless you are comparing it to something else, unless there's a reference point. Farmers know this, uh, but they don't have an efficient way of doing this today. Uh, it, you know, it is common knowledge that farmers will ring around a lot of distributors or sources of supply before committing to a price, but how many phone calls can you really make to be absolutely sure that you are getting a good deal for what you're about to buy? And the amounts that we're talking about here are not trivial. So on our platform, the average transaction is easily over 2,000 pounds. Technology is the tool really by which you can go onto any website uh, or, uh, or app in our case uh, and see what is the price of urea, what is the price of fertilizer in general, what is the price of seed or, or chemicals. And there is nothing like it uh, out there in the marketplace. Um, so just as a tool for uh, providing reference prices, marketplaces are hugely useful. But you know, we obviously want, to, want you to go further as a farmer. We want you to actually buy from us. And here again, the transparency, um, what we can add here is convenience. Uh, you know, to replace you know, six phone calls with uh, one tap of a button and you get a whole lot of time back in your day. Plus, you get a great deal. That is the benefit of marketplaces, the convenience and transparency. That's simple. At the start of this year, Future Farm released Collective Deals, which is its latest innovation in the field, so to speak. On the back of that, you've released a research report which examines the trends in farmer purchasing behaviour. What's the top line on this? Well, I guess before I really answer that, I have to step back a little bit because I need to describe the problem that we're trying to solve here. Because as I said in answer to the previous question, marketplaces will bring you transparency, they'll bring you convenience. 
But for many of these commodities, uh, and this is the bit that we learned over the last two years, that's not all. If you want to engage farmers and get them to buy, there is a little bit of extra that you need to bring to the table. Um, and that is actually the price. Um, so what we learned pretty quickly is that spot prices, uh, which is you know, what we did in our first two years, work really well for certain product categories. Fuel will sell well on spot. But look at other categories. Look at things like fertilizer. Urea, for example, is uh, usually committed to by the farmer uh, at a price six to nine months in advance uh, of it being needed. And that's because it is such an essential product. You have to have it on farm in the spring. Uh, you must be absolutely sure of that. Uh, it, otherwise, uh, your season could be, uh, well, it might not go so well. So therefore, um, a spot buy, uh, which is what you know, price comparison marketplaces do, uh, doesn't really work here. Uh, it's useful, useful reference information, but it's not necessarily going to, to, to move the dial and, and get farmers to buy. So we had to step back and, and think about, okay, what, what, what do we need? And, and, and the, the big sort of breakthrough moment that, that we had, and this is where our technology came into its own, is we, we developed this notion of collective deals, as you just referred to. And collective deals are essentially, it's just a fancy term for reverse auction. Uh, but again, something that can only be done at scale and efficiently if you've got good technology to do it with. So what we recognized is that farmers uh, value transparency, they value convenience, but all, most of all, as all of us, um, they value a good price. In order to get that good price, collective deals, what it does is it aggregates the demand of all of these farmers who need more or less the same products at the same time, urea, again, being bought in, in June and glyphosate and other chemicals being bought in the spring, just to give some examples, molluscicides being bought in autumn. You know, all of these products, commodities are being bought at the same time by a huge number of people. So what our technology does is aggregate their demand together. So instead of buying what you do is you join a deal. You, you, you say, okay, I need, I need a lorry load, 26 tons of, of urea. Um, and what we do is we'll add your 26 tons to the thousand tons that are there by all the other farmers who have joined with you. You, you don't know each other. You're, you're transacting anonymously on a platform. And so we're bringing all of that demand together. And that gives us essentially the ability to go to a supplier panel and say, here, supplier A, B, C, D, and E, give us your best price to deliver that amount to these postcodes on those dates. And that works. It engages the farmer, it engages the supplier, and it drives down the price. We found that on average, when we compare our prices, uh, just in the first two, two, two months, uh, dropped by over 10% compared to other reference prices that we got from uh, other sources, other traditional buying groups in the market. You've mentioned there one of the takeaways. Future Farm has released just this past week a research report with, I think it's fair to say, some fairly revelatory findings. Can you maybe give us a little bit more detail, please, on how Collective Deals is making an impact? I suppose you could summarise it most effectively by saying it's essentially just jump-started engagement across... Um, across commodity categories that we weren't really able to crack. I mean, as I said earlier, fuel is not an issue. It sells well on the spot market. Um, you know, your, your, your tank is empty and you're, you're gonna buy on the spot. 
But what we found, as I also tried to explain earlier with the other categories, that's simply not the case. Spot prices don't work for a number of reasons. The products are commodities, but the transactions are not commoditized. They're highly bespoke. Um, so where, where, we, uh, where we ended up with this is we, first of all, you know, that's what the, the, the big takeaway item is, the conversion rate of farmers looking to farmers buying jumped 20% in just one month. The amount of farmers joining a collective deal took off like a rocket in the first month. Out of our 2,300 UK members, we're talking about about 10% have joined so far. That's a big number. You know, when you're thinking about the life of a platform that is merely two years old, it definitely shows that there is a huge appetite for, for, for this kind of um, price finding methodology in the market amongst farmers. And then finally, I think the big takeaway item also was the result. It's not enough to just join. The proof is in the pudding. If the price comes back and the price isn't good enough, then farmers will do what every consumer will do. They will go back to their original source of supply and they will buy from them. What we found is that over 50% in, on aggregate actually turned from joiners to buyers. And those who didn't buy, didn't necessarily buy because they could get it cheaper somewhere else. They didn't buy from us because you know, the timing wasn't quite right. You know, a common issue actually amongst the, uh, uh, our, our farmers. Um, cash flow is a is a big thing that we probably address in the future iteration of our marketplace. So those are the three things. It's, it's engagement, but it's also the throughput of, you know, the deal throughput that farmers are actually buying. Um, and so on certain categories like fertilizer and, and chemicals, um, fertilizer in particular, in just a month, um, our turnover volume in the UK doubled through these deals. Um, and we reached a group of farmers that we hadn't been able to, to, to reach at all. And similar with chemicals, uh, where within a month, a quarter of our turnover came from just this type of activity, collective deal activity. I think the final thing that is probably worth pointing out is that it gamifies the, the consumer experience a little bit, joining a collective deal. Farmers are by nature, this is what I've learned, they are by nature, um, gamblers they have to be um, you gamble on the weather every day uh, and you're often you know hostage to certain you know uh, situations that you can't control the availability of supply the international grain markets you name it farmers are not in control of that but giving them this tool of you know joining a collective deal sort of resonates quite well within the mindset of farmers you know, farmers understand collective deals instinctively and the whole process is gamified in that, you know, we, we communicate regularly, we tell farmers, you know, how much demand we're building up and we make them feel part of a, of a community here when they're joining a deal. And all of that seems to work. Um, it's hard to put, you know, specific numbers on that part, but I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why, or one of the reasons why they join collective deals. Florian, this seems maybe almost like a little bit of an, uh, to use a, a sporting expression, a bit of an open goal that Future Farm has, has converted. Reverse auctions are nothing new. So why is no one else doing this? Uh, that is a, a really interesting question. Um, as I said at the very outset, first of all, we're, we're dealing with an industry here that is quite entrenched. Um, I think skepticism is, is, is sort of the the always the initial attitude to, to any kind of change. So it's, it's and that, there, there are good reasons for that. I really don't want to sound down on it. 
Um, so any kind of innovation takes a long time to, to really come to fruition. But maybe it's also, I think, down to, you know, let's look at who should be doing this. Uh, and the, the organizations that should be doing this are the traditional buying groups, um, the likes of, you know, AF Group, Ram Farmers, World Marsh. And when we look at those, uh, there's probably two things we can say about that. First of all, their technology stack is not great. Um, they, they are not, I think, in any position really to, to do any of that. If they had, then um, they would have probably done so by now. But maybe also the mindset and attitude isn't, isn't exactly there. So it is in the sense, that sense an open goal and that hasn't really been much tech investment in the supply chain at all. Uh, with this type of innovation. And the, the incumbents who, who should be looking at it, either because they're beholden to the industry or because they are um, technologically backwards, um, haven't touched it. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we're in the middle of building a skyscraper on the front lot. And so in that sense, it is, an, it is, it is so far a, an open goal. Uh, and we're at least two and a half years ahead in our technology progress from, from anyone else and catching up. I assume Future Farm won't be resting on its laurels. Hmm. What's next for Future Farm and indeed for collective deals? Yes, uh, very good question. So the, 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 let's go back to some of the findings and I would actually invite every, any listener to just open, open the report, uh, download it from our website. Um, it's just 10 pages, but it really is worth a read if you're interested in change in agriculture and in efficiency in our food chain. But what's next is, you know, to look at some of these findings is what we found, for example, is when credit terms are available, it just sounds like <laughs> it's, it's uh, co common sense, and it is, but when credit terms are available on a particular deal, farmers are more likely to convert from lookers to buyers. Obviously, for a startup like us, the credit terms are not, not the easiest thing to organize. But that is certainly something that we know we, we must address in, on the roadmap. Because if we don't, um, we know that farmers will turn to suppliers who actually give them a worse, worse price, worse buying conditions, but on the premise of 30-day, 60-day, 90-day credit. And that obviously is, is not what we're about. We want to help all farmers get a good deal, no matter how big or how small they are. And in order to do that, um, credit does become, I think, is, is, is certainly a learning from that research is, is quite important. Uh, so we'll be focusing on that. Um, and we'll be also focusing on exporting what we've done here. Uh, so what, what we've built here is, is British, but it's built to be exported. So we're currently pretty close to launching uh, in our first international market uh, with, with this model. Our platform is essentially licensable abroad and anyone looking to disrupt the um, supply chain for, for input buying in, in, in their country, uh, we wanna talk to them because we can put them in the water within a matter of weeks. Uh, to, to do exactly that. So um, that, that's our other focus really is to now replicate the success abroad because we think there is um, a whole ecosystem here of um, you know, what we found in the UK exists, the problems exist to some extent in any other country in the world. Uh, you know, in, in no country that we've looked at um, with very few exceptions 
is there a, a focus really on on fixing the supply chain as an answer to to fixing the the economics of, of agriculture. And that's essentially what our platform is designed to do.